0: Welcome to Seize Your Midlife, the podcast exclusively for midlife women. I'm your host, Brie Schumacher. We are going to dive into all the things from health and hormones to beauty and wellness. We'll be asking the question, what's my midlife purpose? And what am I going to do with the rest of my life? We'll also be interviewing women who've taken leaps or made U-turns in midlife. This conversation is going to be engaging, sometimes educational, a little bit funny, and always real. It is my sincere hope that you find your midlife purpose and lead your most fulfilling life. So join us on this journey to seize your midlife. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seize Your Midlife. I am so grateful that you are here today. And I am excited because I have a guest on the show. Rachel Lloyd is a mom, a wife, a former high-level corporate executive, and she is currently on a pause, a midlife sabbatical, if you will. And it's a good story, and I can't wait for you to hear more about it. But I'm going to let it come from her first. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Awesome. Okay, and the first question I ask on every episode is, how old are you? (laughs) I am 44 years old. 44. Funny story. So I recorded an episode recently and in the episode I say, and I'm 48 and my friend leaves me a voicemail and she's like, Brie, you're not 48, you're 47. (laughs) And I was like, well, I mean, I guess when you're in your forties, I mean, it's either here nor there, right? (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, I am in trouble if I don't even know my own age. Like, this is not This is not good.
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny because I thought about saying I'm almost 45. I'll be 45 in April. I'm just square right in the middle of the 40s. Oh, my gosh. And I always say, like,
0: give yourself a year. Like, I always give yourself that year, and then I didn't even give myself the year. So I've now gained it back. I'm only 40s. So. <laughs> oh, my cool.
1: gosh. And where are you right now? Uh, I'm in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Sitting in my home office, my uh, my home. I just got the kids off to school and did the busy morning routine and kind of finding my zen space right now.
0: Hey, I think a lot of us can can
1: relate to the like. Okay, everybody's out the door. <gasps> oh. <laughs> yep, yep. It's a, it's a scramble in the morning, and then it just goes calm, um, which is kind of my new favorite part of the day. Yep. Monday morning,
0: my favorite. So I can I can absolutely relate to that. And Rachel's in a condom walk, um, which is very close to where I lived when I lived in Wisconsin for many, many years. But we don't know each other. We were connected through mutual friends. So you are getting to know Rachel in the same way that I'm getting to know her. So that is exciting. So Rachel, I understand that after college, you go on to get a master's degree, and you just had your sights on corporate America, like tunnel vision, diving right into corporate America. And when we talked earlier, you kind of gave me a little background about why that was.
1: Can you explain that at all? Sure. Growing up, I I had a father that was a, a pretty high executive. Uh, We moved actually to Wisconsin from Michigan for his career, and it's, it's what I saw. It's what I knew to be success in a career. It's also a huge part of who I was as a child. I was the child who played business, who had her own briefcase, who would use used forms that my dad, that was when you had forms on paper, uh, would bring home from work and I would fill them out. And I would pretend that you had to pay me something or you had to do something. I would go to work with my dad and sit at his assistant's desk. And this was on Saturday because he didn't have a laptop. So he was catching up from the week. So I would sit at the assistant's desk and pretend that was my world. Um, I was the high school student who took all the business classes and really, really enjoyed them. Um, I was the student who went on the field trips to uh, the business, the corporate offices and really just felt like it was home. It was, it was what I knew. Uh, it was what I used to mimic as a child and, and had fun with it.
0: That's awesome. And can I just say that what I take away from that is little Rachel with a briefcase. Like, I love that. <laughs>
1: yes. To this day, I still care deeply about what bag I put my laptop in <laughs> to my office. Oh, my class. gosh. <laughs> I
0: love that. I love that. Well, you end up really climbing the corporate ladder, and you are successful. So that, like, vision and you sitting in your dad's office and that being part of your life really – ends up working out for you because you were very successful in corporate America and you went on to become an executive, an HR executive.
1: What did your career mean to you? Uh, Gosh, looking back, I would say my career meant everything to me. I was not a person who had a ton of hobbies. I, I had a great friend group that I would get together with and, you know, I would do social events with, but I wasn't the person who did scrapbooks or, you know, uh, knitted or had really a lot of just, I would say, outside interests. I put a ton of time and energy into my career. Um, It was not uncommon for me to work, you know, um, 50 hours a week, sometimes 60 hours a week. It was where I had fun so it was it was my hobby it was my identity it was huge part of just who i was from that child to that high school student to now that adult who provided for a family it was it was what i was supposed to do
0: yeah and i can relate so much to that you know your career and what you're doing just defining so much Of who you are and your being, and everything beyond, you know, a nine to five. I can totally relate and appreciate that. But something happens. Last year, you go on vacation and you see a tarot card reader, and there was just (laughs) something that you were like, I need to go talk to this tarot card reader. So what, like, talk about that. Like, why were you drawn to go and
1: see the tarot card reader? and what did he
0: or she have to say to you?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because i I can't tell you in that moment what drew me to go and walk in to see that tarot card reader. We were in Boston in Chinatown, walking around, and I had my husband and my two children. And I saw a sign and I just walked in and the entire family followed me. I don't think anyone knew what was going on. And I said, I would like a reading. And she said, okay, sit down. And um, my husband had a look on his face of like, is this really what we're doing right now? (laughs) And um, she, she opened up and said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm an HR, I'm an HR executive. And she said, you're very uh, good at what you do, but it doesn't fulfill you. And I Mm. just started crying. In fact, I get a little emotional right now talking about it.
0: So Rachel, it really sounds like this hit home for you. Why was it? Why did it impact you so much?
1: Yeah. It, it really, really hit home for me. I think in that moment I knew, I knew it, it, you know, she knew the universe knew that everybody knew and it was permission to just lean in and accept it.
0: Wow. And you know, for somebody who you said really defined yourself by your career, no wonder You started crying,
1: and that felt so
0: emotional for you.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Somebody who, what was I if I wasn't that? Um, That was, you know, the questions that were going to come following. Yeah. And it sounds like
0: you were standing there, you know, you're listening to this tarot card reader, which usually, you know, it's just something kind of silly, And she says this impactful, powerful thing to you and you start crying and your
1: husband and your kids were there too. Is that right? Yes. Husband and kids were there. And my husband, I think at the moment was just trying to piece it all together. All right. We had just walked into a tarot card reader. (laughs) Um, Really, I think I was looking for answers for something. And so I think he was just trying to kind of piece it all together, keep the kids calm, understand what was even happening. Um, so there was, I think, a look of, like, confusion and, okay, is everybody okay with this, this message that just, you know, happened? And then my son was just excited. Uh, my son is an entrepreneur at heart. He is the child that has sold his Halloween candy on the bus two years in a row. And I've received the phone call from the principal two years in a row. that (laughs) that We can't be doing that. So for him, it was dollar signs and money and, you know, like a change was going to, was going to occur. And for my daughter, she just eyes wide open, mouth open, and just like, like awe. And she probably had the best reaction I would say, or the one that she knew the one that also kind of knew in that moment. Yeah, that's a hundred percent accurate. Um, and when asking her later, why did you have that reaction? And she said, because you've been miserable, you come home miserable, you know, for the last six months to a year, You're just, you're not happy. So for her, I think it was, oh, wow, somebody just said that. And what is she going to do with that information? Wow. And
0: so obviously your daughter picked up on discontent. But for you, you know, obviously you hadn't said it out loud to this point. But did you feel a stirring of discontent inside you prior to this that you just maybe didn't like bring to the surface?
1: Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think that it was something I tried to push down, something I tried to ignore, but I wasn't as happy. You know, I wasn't Sunday night as happy getting ready for the week. I wasn't as happy going to the meetings that I used to really just enjoy um, or the activities that I would just um, enjoy. And I thought, For a while there, I thought, oh, it's, you know, the organizations I'm working for, maybe they don't necessarily value human resources as much as I did. Or maybe it's, you know, the people, I'm not surrounding myself with people that want to learn and grow at the same level that I want to learn and grow. And I couldn't place what was so fun and exciting and fulfilling to me, I couldn't place why it was no longer that. And so naturally, I think, you know, you go to the outside world looking for answers versus internally (laughs) looking for answers. And so I tried to talk myself out of the fact that internally I was changing. I was I was not satisfied. So I looked to the outside world for what could be different in the outside world, but it wasn't working. Wow. Wow.
0: And I can very much relate to that. Like you love something so much and then all of a sudden something shifts in you and you kind of don't know what to do because it has been your whole life and your identity and all of the things. I can very much relate to that. You know, for those of you that don't know my story, I owned a Spanish school for 19 years and after I sold my Spanish school, I had like a full-on midlife crisis kind of like where my whole identity was gone as a business owner. And when you just said, Rachel, that you started looking to the outside, that's what I started doing too. Like never in my entire life have I been like asking for other people's opinion in the way that I have since then, which is so weird because I think as somebody who who had your identity so solid to be like, oh my God, now tell me, what are your thoughts on this? What do you think I should do? You kind of can feel your foundation is shaky. And so I imagine for you, Rachel, like here's this big moment where you're like, okay, something's got to change. Then the shift to actually making the change. Can you talk about like going home from that trip and what did you do?
1: Sure. Right after we walked out of the tarot card reader, uh, because I I think a a part that I didn't share is she said, you're not fulfilled. Um, I see you opening your own business. And that has been something that has definitely always been a dream of mine. And walking out of that tarot card reader, my husband knew that that was a dream, but I think it was just a pipe dream in my head that, you know, someday maybe I'll do that. And we all know when you get into your 40s, someday it seems not so far away <laughs> anymore. And um, he kind of just said to me, Are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm more okay than I've been in a long time. A sense of calm just kind of came over me. In fact, I really was able to be present more in that trip and just enjoy because somewhere deep down, I knew everything was going to be okay. So we came home and we started the conversations about Now what? You know, this is out there. This is something you can't necessarily ignore. You know, I know. The children know. The tarot card reader knows. The universe knows. (laughs) (laughs) The most important person, the tarot card reader. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like, what are we gonna do with that? And we had some conversations and i said you know i just i think i need to leave i think i need to leave what i'm doing and i have no idea what's next but i know this isn't it anymore and i need to walk away from that and so you know i feel fortunate enough that i was able to do that um that we were able to carve out you know some financial freedom to be able to do that and some space to be able to do that um and really just kind of take a break At that point, I thought, you know, I think I just need to walk away from this, but I have no idea what I'm walking into.
0: Wow. So how long from when you go to the tarot card reader and you walk into the office of your boss to say, I'm leaving, I'm giving my notice,
1: how long was that? It was honestly just weeks. Wow. Um, I knew I knew I needed to act quickly because if I didn't I was gonna pick safety and comfort over what I thought I probably needed at the moment.
0: Oh my gosh Rachel, I just want to like highlight what you just said because I think so often women know in their heart deep in their heart what they should do, but they overthink it, they sit on it and they don't do it. Because they act from a place of fear or from comfort. And so I love that you said, like, if I didn't do it, if I didn't, like, act on it right away, I wasn't going to do it. Yep. And even though it was a big – I mean, it was a big risk. It was a big leap. You were leaving an almost 20-year
1: career. Or- yeah, almost 20-year career, you know, at the highest point, I, I would say, uh, an HR executive can go. And like I said, it was it was more than just, hey, I'm leaving this this big career that I think a lot of people would dream of. It was also I'm leaving this entire identity that I know and of who I am. And to your point, I knew if I spent too much time thinking about that, I I was gonna talk myself out of that. And I was coming off that high of vacation and that clarity that I knew if I got back into that grind, it was it was gonna become unclear and muddy.
0: Yeah. And I I just wish more women held on to their inner voice and listened to it more. And I I recorded an episode recently called You're Running Out of Time. And it is kind of like you said, like in your 40s, you know, someday becomes a little bit more urgent. And I think so often we talk ourselves out of stepping into our dreams because we're afraid, because we we don't like change. So what a big deal for you to actually do it, to take the leap and – You didn't have a plan, did you?
1: No, no plan, Um, which is very uncommon for me. If you know me, I I usually have plans. I have contingency plans (laughs) when things (laughs) I feel like aren't going to work out. Um, I always have a plan. So no plan, which felt liberating and scary all at the same time.
0: Wow. So huge. And when we talked, you mentioned Brene Brown's article on the midlife unraveling. Can you talk a little bit about that? At the time
1: that I was kind of internally going through this process, I had a good friend um, here in the Milwaukee area that had had a, a career in news and was really just kind of over news and over what she was doing and she found this article um on bernie brown and just really it resonated with her and i started reading it and you know dove in deep i'm a big bernie brown fan and it resonated then with me it was you know the essence of that article is really what we do for, you know, up until our midlife, we do out of the need to survive, protect ourselves, to provide safety and comfort. And we realize somewhere in midlife that, you know, what we're doing, is it really who we are? Is it what we want to be? And that midlife, I guess I would say pause or moment is, you know, just kind of an evaluation of what do you want for the rest of your life? And is, are you living your true kind of authentic self Or are you living kind of what you think you need to live?
0: Yeah. Are you living your authentic self? And I think a lot of people, when they dig deep, the answer is probably no. And if you're listening and you have not read the article, it's it's a great one. I will link it in the show notes. Because the other kind of interesting thing in that article is that she kind of talks about how it's not a midlife crisis because a crisis kind of is like a short dot in time. But it's a midlife unraveling because it's this long, drawn out, like, oh my God, what am I going to do for the rest of my life feeling that I think is probably the reason why you're listening to this podcast is that we all are kind of feeling that because you're like, I've done this and now what? Now what? So Rachel, you were in it. You are in it right now, the now what? Yeah. And you talk about how in therapy, which side note, we should all be in therapy because it's so valuable. Your therapist gives you a challenge. What was that challenge?
1: Yeah. The challenge was to not have a plan, to just sit with your feelings, sit with the experiences, sit with whatever is just going to kind of come your way for a period of time. And I left um, at the end of September, early October of last year, and the challenge was to sit at least until the beginning of January, and just see what you see, uh, what reveals itself in those three months. And I have to ask you, was that hard? That was insanely difficult. Uh, I'm not a person who likes to to sit with, with anything, quite honestly. I'm, you know, one, I mean, it's it, all the feelings and the emotions, the highs and the lows, and I I wanted to do something with everything that kind of came my way. Um, Every data point that came my way, I wanted to do something with it. And I'm so glad that I didn't. I'm so glad that I listened to uh, what she said, because I'm still sitting, because I would say that every day, week, month, things become a little clearer. And I think that if I would have just started reacting to the the few data points, I, I would not be in a better place if I would have just started reacting to those things.
0: Oh, I Well, one, I probably need your therapist's name because <laughs> I really can relate too much to that. And it's funny, even this morning, I was having a conversation with my son and I'm like, but I really love travel. And I, I just, I'm trying to figure out blah, blah. And he's like, mom, you don't have to figure it out right now <laughs> and i think like you said when you're a doer it's so hard to sit but the truth is unless you sit the voice that's meant to come to you you won't be able to hear it and i know that has been like a deep struggle of mine and i haven't had anybody it sounds like you had your therapist holding you accountable to say don't move just sit and i i could use that <laughs> so and i love that you said it's
1: becoming all the more clear. Yes. Um, Every day, there's things that I know about myself that I probably was ready to just kind of shed through this process, which um, an example is my strong desire to lead. I've been a leader since I was a little kid and I thought, Ooh, I don't want to do that anymore. That's, that's not who I am. And through this process, I had a friend who I was at an event with, and a hotel event, and there was a bunch of staff kind of standing around at the hotel, and not really doing um, anything kind of standing around. And I thought, somebody needs to go over there and, and help them figure out what what needs to occur. And they're, they're missing some leadership over there. And, I, and my friend said to me, Oh, Rach, that's just who you are. And (laughs) I have come more okay with the pieces of being the executive that is who I am, continuing to carry that forward. And the part that I'm no longer into has become a little clearer as well. Yeah. Like
0: some things are just so innate that Maybe what it is is not that you don't want to be a leader anymore. It's that you don't want to have the corporate nine-to-five job where you're a leader. And your identity as a leader, you don't lose that. You just transform it in a different way.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And that's so hard because I think when we think about our skills and we associate them with a career or something we've done so long, it's hard to imagine them utilized in a different way, right?
1: 100%. Um 100% I have a lot of people in my life and that are going through I would say this process and can only see their skills used one way and gosh I'm an HR executive I talk about you know transferable skills and I have never even looked at it that way for myself. Yeah, wow. And something that
0: you had said to me the last time we talked that just really stood out to me. And I'm sure there are women listening that this phrase will spark something in them. And that is that you said you just felt a, quote unquote, burning desire to do something different. Yeah. Can you talk about what that phrase meant to you, means to you? Sure. I
1: wanted to have impact. Um, I wanted the next, you know, 20, 25 years for the career to have impact, to really mean something to myself, but to other people as well. And not to say that I haven't had impact over the years, but I really wanted it to be something that I looked back on and was proud of and really maybe either changed the community or changed the course of somebody's life or really just had maybe a social justice piece to it.
0: Yeah. And I think sometimes if we can shift the question from what am I going to do for the rest of my life to how can I serve and how can I make a difference, I do think that that illuminates answers in a different way. And so it's interesting that that's kind of where your mindset kind of shifted.
1: Yeah. I love that question. You shared that question with me the last time we talked and I thought a lot about that in the last couple of months, who do I want to serve? And how do I want to serve them? And it's really, you know, it's something that I want to be proud of. And I want to really make a difference moving forward.
0: Yeah. And when you think about specifically being in midlife, do you feel like that contributed to this feeling of restlessness, of feeling this burning desire to do something different?
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, I don't think a lot of us really evaluate um, where we're at or what we want until we hit this point. I think, you know, in, in my 30s, it was about building, you know, a career and building, you know, a name for myself and raising kids and just running around and being busy. And, just doing what I would say so many of us do and feel like we need to do. And it's not, I think, until you you hit that, you know, and it can be at any age, that point where you're like, what is this all for? What am I doing? You know, and do I want the next however many years to look the same as the last couple of years? I don't think that many of us hit that point or that evaluation until uh, we're midlife. I would have never in my 20s had these these thoughts or these moments.
0: Yeah, I do think that there is something about midlife that makes us go okay, what's my impact? Like what's my legacy? You know, is this all there is? I think there's so many questions and kind of like you said you see a lot of your friends kind of going through this and same with me. A lot of women going, "Oh gosh, You know, because in a way you're not too old, but time is ticking. So there is that combination of those two things that I think comes so clear into focus when you're in midlife.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 100%.
0: But something that you said to me that also just I thought really resonated is that, you know, even though you clearly said, I'm leaving this career, there are many days that you feel. Really scared, and that you say to yourself, "What am I doing? And who am I if I'm not a corporate executive?"
1: Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I have. Gosh, there's days, there's hours, <laughs> <laughs> minutes. <laughs> it's definitely an an up and down process. You know i I've started to recognize the things that I'm doing when I know I'm scared, and that is. Reaching out to you know the HR community that I've known for so long, contemplating taking the positions, the people that have reached out that you know want to place me in um, roles that I was that I was in that I left. When I start entertaining those things, I know that that's fear getting the best of me, and it's flattering. I'm not I'm not going to lie, and it's it's nice to know that that exist if you know gosh forbid you know I ever had to go back to that but it's right now when I recognize that I'm doing that I know that is completely fear-based and then I'll have moments that I feel on top of the world that this is going to work out exactly the way that I want it to be. I don't know what that is yet, <laughs> but it's going to work out the way I want it to be. And everything everything's going to be okay. And I have moments of peace and I have moments of calm and moments of clarity uh, where things are so crystal clear.
0: Oh my gosh, Rachel, I feel like you're like, have my thoughts and you're saying them out loud. <laughs> <because> <laughs> so often, you know, I, in my similar story where I had left, actually now it's been almost two and a half years ago. And I will have these moments too, where I'm like updating my resume and like looking on Indeed. And it's so fear-based, like you said. And something that I've shared here before that I'm gonna share again is that when those moments of fear come up, whatever the fear is, that you say to yourself the opposite. So my business coach taught me that, you know, if my fear was about money to say, I am a money magnet. Back to myself and and say it on repeat. So whatever that fear is to kind of just twist it on its head, like you were saying, saying it's gonna be all right. It's gonna work out. I'm gonna figure this out instead of going back to what feels comfortable, which would be getting a traditional corporate HR job, right?
1: Right. Right. And you know, I think it's important too for all individuals going through you know something like this surround yourself you talk about your business coach and you know we've talked about my therapist which I highly recommend therapy and you know there's a support network in friends my husband has been phenomenal every time I talk about oh you know someone's reached out and maybe I should take this role and he's like yeah but that's not what we want that's remember that's not what we want and so surrounding yourself with The people who can remind you of what you're trying to achieve is really, really, I think, important because I think people can get very inside their own heads and you can you can tell, you know, a story or a narrative inside your own head that can really just change the way you approach stuff um, or change how how you want the outcome to be. So I think it's extremely important to surround yourself with that support network.
0: Well, and something that I think is so important that you said is that you need a sounding board because you can get in your own head. All of us do this. And so whether it is a therapist, whether it's a coach, we know somebody, a friend that you can bounce these things off of, that you can say the fears out loud, I think is so valuable and important because we all are guilty of getting in our own head. And before you know it, we're on a ledge, you know, and saying things to ourselves like, oh, I'll just go get the job. And so having that network, that support system, that sounding board is so important. So thank you for reminding all of us of that. I need that reminder on the daily.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Well, something
0: that happens while you walk away from this high intense job is that you start seen some things going on with your body that kind of cause you some alarms. Will you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, the summer of 2022, I was at the peak of this, probably being unhappy and at probably the the peak of my career and the peak of the hours I worked and just experiencing symptoms of like fatigue and extreme thirst and just little signs that were happening that I was just ignoring uh, along the way and saying, I don't really have time for this. You know, this is a big inconvenience to me. I don't want to listen to this. I had a husband who was saying, you know, I really think you should get that looked at or you should get that checked out. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I will. I will. And I made an appointment. The minute I had time, you know, the first week I was not working, I went to the doctor and I, you know, I got a a blood work done and really found out I was suffering from type two diabetes. Wow. And had no clue. And it was just kind of the awakening, I would say that I needed to continue to put me on this path of trying to figure it out. I had once read, the body will always tell you what you need to to know. And I had ignored the body for a while, and it was telling me a huge, huge sign.
0: Wow. And do you think, Rachel, that if you would have stayed at the pace you were at, that you wouldn't even have noticed enough To pay
1: attention? Yeah, I I definitely I would have noticed. I would have ignored it because I'm a big, you know, buck up, let's do this, you know, we can do this, stay strong. And really just kind of ignore If I'm feeling a certain way or, you know, physically or emotionally, I would say um, a huge part of my success has been to be able to handle tough situations and and to problem solve and and to get through things. So I would have just handled it moment to moment, day to day. And I wouldn't have taken the time to really understand what it is was going on with my body and what I needed to change. Wow.
0: And I think that a lot of women listening can really relate to, you know, putting your head down and just plowing forward because you have so many responsibilities and, you know, you're taking care of kids and you're, you know, having a job and you're taking care of your house and you're doing all these things that you don't have time to pay attention to the most important thing in your life, which is your health,
1: which is kind of scary, right? Super scary. You know, looking back now, I'm like, wow. Again, I think the universe just works in miraculous ways. I I had that moment that first week of like, wow, this is a reason I needed to be the, off, you know. Um, I needed to get this under control. I needed to learn about this. I needed to understand what all of this was, and I had the time and the space to do that for the first, you know, couple of months, which I felt insanely grateful uh, to have to not be trying to figure that out with the pressures of of work and and some of the other things that I was going through.
0: Yeah, how just critical that you made the decision to leave and to be home and listen to not only the voice inside of you telling you what to do, but your body is so valuable. Okay, circling back to talking a little bit about the midlife unraveling and the midlife crisis. Before you kind of were at this pivotal point in your life of, you know, a midlife unraveling, what had you thought a midlife crisis was?
1: (laughs) You know, I I thought it was the, you know – The man buying the sports car at age 40 because he was trying to outrun getting older, you know, Um, the, you know, dyeing your hair, you know, maybe red. Uh, Because it made (laughs) you feel just younger. I I would say anything that was attached to making somebody feel young and experience their youth uh, was what I would have defined a midlife crisis in the past. I now know my definition of that is completely off. (laughs) I don't think, you know, the midlife unraveling um, as Brene will call it is really about trying to get your youth back as much as it is about trying to just be at peace and content and really enjoy what, what is left of life. Um, and to really make sure that you have the next however many years that you really look back on them and think, wow, I'm glad that I, you know, left the corporate job or I'm glad that I really put myself out there to try to fall in love or, you know, I'm glad that I, you know, sold the house and got an RV and traveled the world. Just really experiencing life, I think, is is more than the midlife unraveling.
0: Oh my gosh. You just said that so eloquently. And I think that all of us, especially those of us that kind of like were products of the 80s, right? We picture like a man in a red sports car with those like maybe his toupee and he's driving away from his family with his secretary in the front seat and like, you know, their hair is blowing in the wind and dirt is flying up. Like that is my my vision too or had been until now. And you just said so beautifully, it's more about this restlessness and trying to find the fulfillment and the peace and so that you get to the end of your story and you don't say, I should have, I wish I would have, or what if that you're doing the what if. Yeah. And I just, gosh, that is, you said that so well. So thank you so much for sharing that. You bet. If a woman is listening right now and she's where you were at, just not feeling excited anymore about her life or what she's doing,
1: what advice would you give her? Listen, listen to that, that voice that, exist in so many of us that internal voice just it's scary um because i think you can go immediately to oh my gosh like oh crap now what you know what i mean and i think that you need to take a moment and and recognize okay i'm feeling the way that i'm feeling but it doesn't need to be maybe as drastic of a change as i made um, you know, I think I made a, a very drastic change because looking back, I I needed to for my health. Um, but I think that a lot of people can make just small, you know, incremental changes that make you feel better. But ignoring the voice and not paying attention to the voice will get you, I think, to a point where you may need to make drastic changes or a point where you're just really not happy. So uh, don't squash the voice down. Listen to it.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing is get quiet enough so that you can hear the voice. Because if you're so busy, if you're so buried in your responsibilities, you won't hear it.
1: Let's be honest. You know, as a society, we pride ourselves on being busy. You know, we're a generation that has kids and multiple sports, you know, mm-hmm. club sports that travel, um, you know, and clubs that they're involved in, and careers that demand more than than they probably ever have, and parents that are aging and you name it, you know, there's there's many ways to keep yourself busy and distracted from that voice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um I heard somewhere your life is full but it's not fulfilling. And I think yeah. that that's, you know, so often what happens in midlife like you said we're so busy. I drove 400 miles for my kid's sports last week. So <laughs> I could totally. I'm like yes, yes, and yes. And so you think how can I chase my dreams? How can I hear the voice and you just got to carve out the time. Yeah. Just got to carve out the time to say I'm going to go on a walk and in silence I'm going to turn off the radio in the car whatever it is so that you can hear the voice because I think the worst thing in the world is regret.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. You know, you want to remove the could've, should've messages or, or things that you, you know, wish were were different.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And in that same sentiment, what advice would you give about listening to your body more in midlife? One of the things that I.
1: I have not by any means mastered, but are been trying to master is just kind of the mind and body connection, you know, that what happens in the mind always kind of manifests itself physically. So really paying attention to you know, not just emotionally and mentally, what you're maybe experiencing, what you're also physically experiencing, you know, having that connection between the two and just really slowing down and paying attention to that. Absolutely. Probably
0: the most important thing because you have nothing without your health. So exactly. I think it's such a good message to everyone. Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. It was such a good and enlightening conversation about this midlife, and how important it is to listen to your own voice. So thank you so much. Thank you. I really enjoyed it as well. And thanks so much to all of you for listening. I am humbled and grateful that you tune in. The biggest thing you can do to help the podcast is to subscribe to it. That will help more women come to the podcast. And the more women that join in on this conversation, the fuller it will be. Have a beautiful day, my friends. I'm rooting for you.